You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, your team every day brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And welcome to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. It's always all family here on Locked On Saints. Huda family, and welcome back to Locked On Saints. Thank you so much for being with us again today. Today's episode, we're going to focus on a new saint that has done some previous good here in the community before. For arriving in New Orleans, then we'll take a look at a longtime saint, a very familiar one at that, that has done more present good for New Orleans in his concerted effort to continue to elevate the city of New Orleans. And then we'll take a couple of questions from our Locked On listener line. It's all about good vibes here on Wednesday's episode with all of that and a little bit of lanyap on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. So oftentimes when we talk about this offseason, one of the big things that stands out is Max Unger's retirement. And of course, the day after Max Unger retired, the Saints signed former Minnesota Viking, I believe at that time it was the second of what would be three former Vikings, to the New Orleans Saints roster in Nick Easton, who was brought in mainly to take over for Max Unger at the center position. And of course, they also drafted Eric McCoy. So usually now when we talk about Nick Easton, we talk about that center battle between him, Eric McCoy, Cameron Tom in there as well. We also like to talk about his versatility playing in the interior offensive line, whether that be at center or the guard. But John DeShazer did an excellent highlight look at Nick Eason and his time in New Orleans before he was ever a New Orleans Saint. Back in 2007, according to this article, along which included uh, which included uh, passages from himself, from his youth uh, youth church leader, from uh, the the servant sons leader, all of that, uh, talking about how in 2007, when he was 14 years old, he came to New Orleans in an effort to help rebuild the city as a part of one of the church missions. So he was a part of Sun Servants, or really he was a part of uh, his his specific church that was a part of Sun Servants, which puts together all of these potential missions for all of the, and essentially sends out, you know, they plan all of these missions and all of these uh, uh, fellowships so that they can then send it out to churches that are within their network. And then the churches say, great, you've got something going on here. We want to help contribute to that cause. And then that gets all of the other youth groups and church groups involved in being able to be a part of the relief efforts uh, brought to you by that church or that that organization. Nick Eason was a part of that when he was 14 years old, uh, essentially working in the Ninth Ward as well as some of the flooded areas downtown. Uh, there's this great anecdote all throughout where they're talking about him shoveling sweet potatoes out of the back of this truck before they were, you know, became unsalvageable and were essentially cooking in the heat and everything like that. So, you know, when he was 14, he experienced this New Orleans heat and everything. So, you know, you kind of hope that he gets adjusted to it pretty quickly. And it seems that he has. But just an incredible story and a great read and a wonderful, wonderful profile by John DeShazer, who's one of the best out there in terms of really getting into the human element. You heard me talk about that with about uh, Herbie Teope coming back to New Orleans to be on the Saints beat. He does a really excellent job with that. He did the same kind of piece, didn't center around the same type of topic, but talked about Thomas Morstead and what Thomas Morstead has done for the city, getting some great quotes from Will Lutz talking about how, you know, if it's not Drew Brees in the city, then the next person up is Thomas Morstead. And it's just an incredible thing. You know, we talk a lot about 
about this Saints team and its connection to the city of New Orleans, the state of Louisiana, and the Gulf Coast as a region all together, and its fan base across the world. Uh, John Sigler and I were just talking about how he's been doing some radio calls in Canada because the Saints fan base is so strong there. So they're everywhere. You know, Houdat Nation, we've always talked about how it might be a nation, but it's certainly not national because it's worldwide. So when you look at some of the reasons that players have come to sign with New Orleans, a lot of them reference the culture, how fun it is, the fan base, the city, the team, everything about the structure that allows you to be just a little bit more of a human being within the New Orleans Saints structure, as opposed to just essentially being that sort of utilitarian football player that your only job is to play football and shut up, you know, the stick to football attitude. Shout out, stick to football podcast. Uh, so that type of of attitude that the Saints bring to their approach and that the front office has brought in. And you can see it with Gail Benson, uh, David Griffin, what they're bringing into the Pelicans, this idea of family. And the New Orleans Saints have been that for a while. And so it's really incredible to be able to read this story about Nick Easton, who is now coming back, what, 12 years later from that point where he was 14 years old, contributing to the relief efforts of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and then now being able to, after helping to serve New Orleans, is here to help serve the New Orleans. Saints, as John DeSaisa put it. So it's an incredible article. Make sure you check it out over at NewOrleansSaints.com. You can also find Herbie's article on Thomas Morstead over at TheAdvocate.com. So check both of those out. But it's just great to see that culture continue to grow here in New Orleans, but also attract other people to the city and other players to the team. The fact that you have players coming to New Orleans because of the fact that they feel like they want that connection with the fan base, with the community, with the team, and with the family around them is just an incredible reason for uh, for for free agents to want to come and play in your city and on your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. All right, y'all, we're going to jump to a break here. We talked about a new Saint that did some did some past good for the Saints and will continue to do good moving forward for New Orleans. Let's talk next about a current Saint that just won't stop doing good for the city of New Orleans, and I'm convinced never will. We got that covered for you right here on Locked On Saints, your team every day. We are talking good vibes on this episode of Locked on Saints. You know, there's no better place to maintain the good vibe nature than in the bedroom. And here's a way to do it. That's right. It's a Blue Chew ad. Blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pills, so you can always be ready whenever the opportunity arises, especially for those spontaneous things that you might miss so much. And of course, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is described, sorry, is prescribed, rather, online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits no waiting in the pharmacy and best of all no more awkwardness they're made in the usa and since bluetooth prepares and ships direct they're cheaper than the pharmacy and right now we can get them set up even cheaper for you with a special deal for our listeners visit bluetooth.com and you get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n just pay five dollars in shipping again that's b-l-u-e-chew.com promo code locked on to try it for free bluetooth is the better cheaper and faster choice and as always we thank them for sponsoring this podcast 
Welcome back here to Nations of Locked On Saints, your team every day. So, you know, when you talk about the New Orleans Saints, when you talk about the city of New Orleans, the only name that should come to mind immediately and right off the bat in terms of good deeds for the city of New Orleans is Drew Brees. Not that he's the only one that does it. Lots of people do it. You've heard me talk on and on about what Benjamin Watson has done for the city, as well as Demario Davis and all of the other players that have contributed within the city. But Drew Brees has been doing this for a very long time. You remember, you know, coming into the league, or not coming into the league, but joining the Saints in 2006, bringing hope to the city in an eventual Super Bowl championship in Super Bowl 44 in 2009. He also helped to build that all-inclusive playground back in 2017, I believe, with his wife, Brittany Breeze, over at Audubon Park. Incredible charity work and philanthropy all across the board from Drew Breeze. And it looks like uh, after this new report has come out, he's done it yet again. A quarter million dollars, $250,000 going to the aid to helping to build the KIPP school, or rather, uh, let me see what it's act, what the full name is actually called here, KIPP Believe, K-I-P-P, that is in the uh, Columbia Park uh, in Gentilly, or at Columbia Park in Gentilly, uh, and that is a kindergarten through eighth grade school. So at one point before this $26 million building was built, the schools were split up and they were on opposite sides of town, essentially. So you had K through four, and then you had five through eight, and then not really so much a presence in the in that community for K through 12. And that was a big part of that missing piece. And so Drew Brees has helped to construct this new school by donating all of this money. He's been at this, I believe, uh, for quite a while, actually dealing with investment companies and listening to, you know, different plans, working with real estate companies and things like that. So it's been about four years that he's been working on this. And then in March, it, you know, he finally was able to give the money and everything. And so this is really great. One of the reasons why this is so important to that particular community in Columbia Park is that kids would have to get up at like 6 a.m. in order to get to school on time and everything. Uh, There's an anecdote here from Katrina Daniels, who's a resident in Columbia Park, and now the kids get to sleep until 7, then they don't have to leave so early, things like that, which also just increases some family time and things like that as well. And it really seems to have made a big difference for uh, for these kids. And this is not the first time that Drew Brees has done some philanthropic work in this community. He also helped uh, at an earlier time in terms of helping to build 685 mixed income residential units in terms of a, uh, I guess the phrase that people like to use uh, is uh, revitalization, urban revitalization, which can't be mad at at, at helping to uh, get kids to school, uh, building a, a school close enough that these kids can, t- can continue to go and continue their education. And Drew Brees has just consistently done this. I mean, we talk about people in their respective cities that have done, you know, playing for sports teams and what they've done for their respective cities, rather. And I don't think that there's anybody out there that's done more than Drew Brees for the city of New Orleans for their respective city. I can't think of what Aaron Rodgers has done for Green Bay. I can't think of what Tom Brady has done for Boston or anything like that. Like, it's just not there for me. And maybe that's just because I'm not a part of that fan base and I don't, and and, and I'm not as connected. So let me not demand diminish anything that they are doing. It's just that Drew Brees is pretty much ingrained in the culture of Louisiana and the culture of New Orleans, unlike anybody, any other quarterback for their team, unlike any other player for their team, honestly. And there's something really specific about what it is that he and his family, because that's not, let's not 
neglect the fact that Brittany Breeze is also engaged in all of these things as well and is doing her own charity work as well as you know working with the kids and everything like that. And so it's not just Drew Breeze, but it's the entire Breeze family. And eventually the four kids, the Brady, the, you know, the, the Breeze boys and their daughter will eventually grow up to where they'll be able to continue this kind of philanthropic work. And we'll see what it is that that is as they move, you know, through their future in life and everything. And it's just an incredible thing. You have this guy that really in, in many ways is set. And don't forget that while he was working on this school development, he was also in the process of suing somebody for taking advantage of his trust, the jeweler thing that he just got out of trial for and was awarded, uh, you know, a, a victory in that case. He was also dealing with all of that while also giving up a quarter of a million dollars to help build this school. So, you know, I mean, and, and of course, a quarter of a million dollars is like a dollar to you and I at some point when you obtain enough money. But either way, to be going through that and to have all the money that was essentially taken and stolen from them, taken and stolen, and then to still have the uh, the, the wherewithal to continue to develop within your community and help to elevate your city. It's just an incredible thing. And it's kind of, a, it, it, it's a selfless act. I mean, it gets, it, it covers taxes, but it's also a selfless act because he could very easily have said, you know what? I got enough stuff going on. I need to be worried about this. So shout out Drew Brees and thank you as always for the work that you do in the community and all of the New Orleans Saints for all of the work that they have done in their communities, in our community and beyond. I mean, you see all of the, Marcus Williams is holding his second annual, uh, his second annual football campaign camp. Um, uh, Marshawn Lattimore was doing a really incredible weekend free event that offered, you know, uh, haircuts, food, uh, sports, everything, just tons and tons of opportunity for young and underprivileged kids and things like that. And so you got to love these guys being ingrained in their community and then just being a part of the culture. I mean, look at the story about Alvin Kamara refusing to take out his nose ring uh, for a GM that requested it when he was going into his into his interviews before the draft. You might hear that and be like, what does that have to do with the city of New Orleans? But I don't know a single New Orleanian. I don't know a single, single New Orleanian that would have agreed to change their appearance in you know to get ready for this job interview or whatever not even really a job interview of a, a place that might potentially draft you you know what i'm saying when you've obviously got 31 other teams as options none of us would have done that either so that's what i mean just like that audacity and that uh that type of wherewithal to have an understanding of this is who i am and this is what my community there's no place like it than the city of new orleans all right y'all so we're gonna jump to our final break when we come back got a couple of questions from the locked on saints listener line if you want to get any questions in for next week go ahead and give me a call 504-229-4265 leave a message and then hear yourself on the show next week got that coming up for you right here on locked on saints your team every day Welcome back, family. This is our final segment for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, if it's your first time catching the show, make sure you subscribe. We're talking about some things that aren't necessarily gridiron related, but I try to cover a range of things here on the show. What's going on in free agency? What's going on in the draft? What's going on with the team? we got training camp coming up, but also a little bit more of the human element of who these guys are and what they do off the field. I love talking about this stuff, and it seems like people love hearing about it. So if this is something that you're interested in, as well as everything else that you're going to get here with the podcast, I'm dropping daily episodes every Monday through Friday, covering every single move with immediate reactions on everything that takes place with your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. This is the place to be here at Locked on Saints. So do take a moment to subscribe on whatever your podcast platform is, and do take a moment as well to drop that five-star review to help keep this free and five days a week and make it available and out in the open for more of the Houdat Nation out there, like I said earlier, across the world, because we global up in here. So thank you all very much for all your support with that. Uh, one of the other things that I 
really love to do here outside of the Locked On Saints Facebook Q&A, which I'm going to be doing tomorrow at noon. If you're interested in doing that, facebook.com slash group slash Locked On Saints. But also like doing this Locked On Saints listener line. I really love during the offseason getting uh, listeners involved. So if you're not just hearing me, but that you're also hearing yourselves represented here and can ask me the exact questions, the things that you want to hear about. So if you want to do that, go ahead and call 504-229-4265. Leave a message. And then here's an example. I've got Kevin, the homie from Frisco that called in last week and we weren't able to hear his name, but he called back, came through. He had the great question last week about Jadavian Clowney. Here's what he wanted to know about this week. What's going on, Ross? This is uh, Kevin, a.k.a. Frisco, man, calling again from Frisco, Texas. I uh, just want to make sure I get it stated, man. No love for Cowboys over here, repping who that to the fullest, man. Holding it down over here for y'all, man. Who that family, man. Love y'all. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, answering the, the clowny question I had for you, man. Uh, appreciate the information, man. Got another one for you. Um, what do you think about the Saints possibly drafting another quarterback next year? And if so, um, what are some options you think we can look at? Um, not saying I don't, I'm, I don't have, you know, any faith in our, in our guy, Teddy Bridgewater. I just, you know, I just want to have a backup plan in case, you know, things go south. You know, uh, I, I like, some things what I saw from him, I just didn't see a whole too much, you know. So uh just uh just wanna throw that out there and see what you thought about that. Anyways, man, love what you're doing with the show, man. Appreciate it, man. Much love to y'all, man. Take care. Much love to you, Kevin, and thank you so much for calling, man. This is a great question, and I encourage all of you to tune into Friday's episode when it drops. By the way, just programming note, if I can steal that phrase from my good friend Jake Madison over at Locked On Pelicans, I will be doing a 4th of July episode. It's going to be the Locked On Saints Q&A, and then I'll have the... Friday episode coming up. The Friday episode is actually already recorded as you're hearing this. John Sigler and I took some time to talk about some unpopular scenarios, and I cannot wait for you all to hear that episode because you're either going to hate it or you're going to love it or you're going to love to hate it or you're going to hate to love it. I don't know which one it is yet, but we actually talk a little bit about this, but we don't specifically talk about drafting a quarterback. We talk about sort of the future of the quarterback in New Orleans. Make sure you check that Friday episode out. So to answer your question here, man, um, I personally even... If Teddy Bridgewater resigns and everything works out and everything goes as planned, which would be, you know, assuming that Drew Brees doesn't come back for 2020, which again, the pass and the torch thing makes it sound like he's probably not. But, you know, let's say he retires and then Teddy Bridgewater signs his long term contract, that sort of mid tier quarterback level contract for maybe a couple of years so that they can sort of renegotiate and maybe go for a higher contract after that. I don't have a problem with the Saints drafting a quarterback in 2020 or 2020. There are a lot of options in this quarterback class. And it's not always like, and usually it's kind of top heavy. Like in the last few years, you've seen two, maybe three viable quarterbacks. But for this season coming up or this draft class coming up, depending on how many of the underclassmen leave early, you're going to have a lot of options in that crop in 2020 and in that draft where, you know, the Saints are drafting late in the first round. If they decide that they want to pass on a wide receiver at that point, or depending on how 
how successful they are with maybe landing another wide receiver in free agency or how Traquan Smith steps up, yada, 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 so on and so forth. You know all of the possible scenarios there. They could potentially spend that first round pick on a quarterback and late, late, late in the first round, you're going to be able to get somebody pretty viable. You can look at Jake Fromm out of Georgia. That's somebody that Bleacher Report has connected to the Saints. He's had a pretty good stat line throughout his collegiate career. Of course, quarterback stats in college don't always translate into the NFL. And I know he's, look, it's Georgia, which is a pretty sizable team. However, uh, it's not one of the bigger programs. And we know that, look, you can look at Drew Brees. He's from Purdue. You can look at, you know, um, uh, 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 Cam Newton. He's from Auburn. Like they're, they're, they're not every quarterback comes from your Alabamas and your LSUs and your Michigans, unlike uh, Tom Brady, of course. And so, you know, you can feel pretty comfortable with grabbing one of these quarterbacks later on in, uh, in the round. So let's take a look at some of the other names that might be available for the Saints at quarterback in the 2020 draft. And I do mean just take a look at some names because I, I don't have a lot of time to break all these guys down. And also I have a special guest coming next week to talk a little bit more about this. But, you know, at the top of the list, you have your Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, your potential quarterback one, quarterback two, interchangeable thing. You're going to hear a lot of conversation and arguments about that throughout the 2019 college season. And then there's Jake Fromm out of Georgia, who we just talked about. Uh, Sam Ellinger is somebody that depending on if he comes out after his junior season and if he has a hell of a junior season, he could be somebody. He's just going to have to get a little bit more consistent uh, as a thrower, but he could be somebody that's like a mid-round, something to watch unless he skyrockets up the board. Same thing could happen with Steven Montez out of Colorado. Shea Patterson out of Michigan. He's got some attitude issues perhaps coming in, but also could be that confident type of quarterback, sort of swaggy quarterback that you want to have in a New Orleans Saints uniform. Uh, He's somebody that's also got a little bit of, of, uh, you know, size things, but obviously that doesn't matter that much in New Orleans. Uh, Jacob Eason, who doesn't have a ton going for him right now, just because he hasn't really been able to play a ton, but six foot six, huge arm, uh, has, you know, his reference is a good decision maker as well. So that's somebody to keep an eye out on. And then you also have some other guys that might be like later round, third, fourth, middle of the draft type guys, Jalen Hurts, Kalen Mond, uh, Mackenzie Milton. He's coming off of that knee injury and everything as well, going into his senior season at uh, UCF. So there's a lot of names out there and a lot of potential. And again, I wouldn't be mad at the Saints for grabbing one of these guys, no matter what, just in case, especially with the options being this potentially bountiful. All right, y'all, we're going to jump to our next question and final question here before closing out the show. One more big thank you to Kevin for calling back. Kevin from Frisco, we see you. We love you. Thank you very much for calling in, man. Please keep them coming. Uh, so this one is from Rick Sincere. Again, you could check him out at Rick Sincere. And also you could check out his podcast network, MTMV, the My Team, My Voice podcast. Here's what his question was for this week. Who that, Rose? This is Rick, man. Um, so um, I'm thinking about this one particular question that I've been wanting to ask for a little bit here. Um, this is the overall question, you know, big fan of the show, you know, always listening. People should understand that by now, right? One of the best, hands down, one of the best shows out right now. All right, cool. So now I gotta, um, I gotta ask this question. Eric Berry is still on the market. The question is, can Eric Berry be for this Saints team what Darren Sharper, and I know he's a name we should no longer mention, but <laughs> could Eric Berry be what Darren Sharper was to that Super Bowl team? And is he somebody the Saints should think about pursuing? I know that um, that we we kind of have enough safeties. I know that we're kind of flooded back there right now, right? We have a lot of good safeties. We have a lot of younger safeties. We have Von Bell, the really you know good young safety. 
We got Chauncey Angana Johnson, who's another really good young safety. We're, we're, we're pretty good there, right, with Marcus Williams. At the same time, would Eric Berry be that guy um, that could bring us a lot more interceptions and make a whole lot more plays on the ball? And could he be the Darren Shopper for the defense? That's my question. And I don't know if we should chase him or not chase him. Anyway, all right, yo, um, that's all I got for today. Rick, my man, thank you so much for the call. This is actually a good question. Now, here's the thing. I'll start off by saying that I am perfectly comfortable with where the Saints are in terms of safety. Von Bell, Chauncey Garner-Johnson joining that mix in terms of safety slash nickel role. Even if you don't consider him a safety, you still got Von Bell, Marcus Williams, uh, Chris Banjo, and now Saquon Hampton in the building as well, who's a little bit of a ball hawk himself in his own right out of Rutgers. A terrible defense over there, but he was a highlight. Now, when you look at what Eric Berry has done throughout his career, oh, let's first let's first address... All right. I know this is supposed to be a good vibes episode, but I'm going to quickly address he who shall not be named the safety that had nine interceptions and three touchdowns in 2009. Do I think that uh, Eric Berry could be that guy in this defense? No, I, I don't. And, 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 and that's no slight at Eric Berry. That's also not an endorsement of uh, that other guy. It's just simply that Eric Berry has played three games since 2016, the 2016 season where he was uh, an all-pro first-teamer and a pro bowler. So let's not discount him. Five-time pro bowler, three-time first-team all-pro as recent as 2016 and 2015. Did it back-to-back seasons and then just one season in between 2013. This is a guy that has fought and battled and beat cancer and then returned to the gridiron. So let's not diminish anything that he's done. But three games in the last two seasons makes me wary. And I think that that makes sense. I think that's totally logical. This is also a guy that has had never more than four interceptions in a season, but has brought back two of them for touchdowns in two separate seasons, five total over his career. So he's somebody that can, knows what to do when he gets the ball in his hand. But my question is his availability to the team during the season. Now, here's what I would love to see. And I talked about this with Darren Sproles in yesterday's episode. You get Drew Brees, I'm sorry, Drew Brees, you get Eric Berry in training camp to mentor Marcus Williams, Von Bell, Saquon Hampton, and Chris Banjo, and I'm happy with that. I love that idea, much like I was talking about Darren Sproles being somebody that could potentially come in and mentor those young running backs in training camp, because there's no safety with more than four years of experience in the NFL right now on a Saints team. There's no running back with more than five years of experience on the Saints team as well. So when you look at that, you love the idea of bringing in, or at least I do, love the idea of bringing in these older veterans, not older, let me not say it like that, let me not be weird, these veterans these experienced guys with hefty and successful NFL experience presence and culture guys like um, Darren Sproles and Eric Berry and allow them to mentor and help take these this young talent that the Saints have on this team and are very proud of to the next level. That is a move that I like a lot. Oh, and real quick, can we just point out how ridiculous it is that even though, yes, he's only played three games in 2016, that he hasn't gotten a shot on any roster through OTAs and through minicamp. Eric Berry, not a single shot and is still on the market. We have to understand that that is absolutely preposterous. Again, I don't see him making the final roster, the 53-man roster, anything like that for the Saints, just because of what the Saints have versus what Eric Berry was and now is. However, in that mentorship role, he should be on a team, period.
All right, family, that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Make sure you stick around through the rest of the week. Still got a lot of fun stuff coming up. I know that the week is winding down, but it's not slowing down here on Locked on Saints. Tomorrow, we have the Locked on Saints live Q&A on Facebook. So make sure you join the Locked on Saints Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints. Make sure to call the Locked on Saints listener hotline if you have any other questions, 504-229-4265. And make sure you tune in for Friday's episode, which is very special and a ton of fun, me and my good friend John Ziegler coming through talking about some unpopular scenarios remember remember and I'm going to start saying this now to warn you as we move ahead and closer to that episode it's all hypothetical we're not endorsing or advocating for anything we're just exploring hypothetical situations so don't hate appreciate all right y'all Thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the podcast. And please be sure to drop that five-star review. Keep me employed. Keep the show coming. Keep it free in five days a week. Make sure if you're not already that you subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including the Himalaya Podcast app. Thank you so much for all your support. And as always, for helping me grow this family, this has been Locked on Saints. And trust, who that nation? I'll holla at you.